1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, verse 21. That's it. That's the last one in 1 John. And if you wonder why I'm limping a little bit, Heather got mad at me and kicked the fire out of me yesterday. It was an, un, it was an unprovoked attack. She said, you know where liars go? And I said, yeah, Detroit. <laughs> no, about middle of the afternoon yesterday, something went going on in my heel, and it was so bad yesterday, it was making me sick. Today it's better, but I have no idea. It was just like one second it was one way, and the next second it was the other way. So, that may be 50-something, I don't know. <laughs> First John, chapter 5, Mag Church has probably never heard me say in one verse, for a text, I mean, one verse. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. End of the letter. Final words, final thoughts. Little children, that's a term of endearment from John the Beloved. He used it often. He was talking to people he was discipling in the faith. Little children would be the ones that are learning under me, believers. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. I'm repeating that because I want you to see something. I want to ask you something. In light of, because there's confusion that sometimes arises in the church, I don't, sometimes some things are a little bit hard to understand, but some things are clear if you walk through it. We're saved by grace through faith. And you didn't do anything for it. It's not by works. That's how you get saved. It's by faith. It's how you live for God. It's by faith. It's how you receive from God. It's by faith. But when you receive, when you receive from God, when you receive salvation, when you receive the power of the Holy Spirit, when you see, when you receive that grace that saves you. See, grace is the power of God to save you. Not your power, His power. There's power in grace. It's the power of God to save you that you didn't have by yourself. You had no ability to save yourself. None whatsoever. None whatsoever. It wouldn't have mattered how hard you tried. Whatever level of quote-unquote goodness that you could achieve, you couldn't have been good enough. Not possible power of grace. But when the power of grace comes in your life, then you have the power of God working with you and in you. 
It's way too early to be quiet. When you get saved, when, the, when, when salvation comes to you, when you're regenerated, when you're justified, however you want to say it, when you're made right with God, the old timers used to say, you got things right with God. That happened through the power of grace that came through faith. It came when you believed. But when you believe, there, he begins to start, there begins to be a, a, another, the sanctifying power of grace begins to work in your life. The justifying power is your sins are forgiven. It's just as if you never sinned. But then the, your, the, the sanctifying power, that's the, that is the power to be made holy and separated. And it's an ongoing all your life. I mean, you're sanctified when you're born again, but the power of sanctification works through your life. And you begin to live differently. And you begin to act differently. You begin, the, th the things that used to appeal to you begin to lose its appeal. And things that maybe even before you were born again, maybe that you wanted to change, but you found yourself unable to change. Would you be honest with me and say, I've been there? There's things I wanted to change, but I had no power to change it. That was the that was dominion. That was the that was the sin. The sin nature having dominion over you. It was dominating you because you had no power to stop it. But now you have the power of grace, and when that begins to happen, you begin to be able. Able means literally to have the power to do things that you didn't have the power. It's still not your power, it's his grace that operates in your life. I'm not saved by works, but when I get saved, I begin to produce works. Or another word would be to produce fruit. I begin to change. And people get confused by that. Well, you know, I, I, we're not under the law. I can, I can do this, I can do that. Well, you could, but Paul said all things are, 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 are lawful to me, but not all things are profitable. Not all things are expedient. Just because I can don't mean I should. Yes? And then you get to reading all through the New Testament, all through the epistles, and you begin to see them write things about don't do this and do that. And it's literally saying you. People are people tend we people believers little children we we tend to sometimes get this notion that God's going to do all this stuff for us. God, the the thing that God does for you and in you is to give you the power to do it. But He at no point the Holy Spirit has never and will never somebody let's just say that. You know, I used to hate when people, when preachers would say, say that with me. I used to hate that. I did. I really did. And now I've discovered it's a very powerful thing because faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the Word of God. And I, mostly it does me the most good when I hear me repeat the Word of God. Yeah? Now I forgot what I was going to have you say. No, thank you. That would have come back to me about 9.45 tonight. <laughs> the Holy Spirit has never and will never made you do anything. Right. You or anybody else. 
Never. Never has, never will. That's not what he does. God at no point ever in your life will come and make you a robot, make you conformed, take over your will. You change your will, but he doesn't take your will. And there are things, when you begin to learn the Word of God, He says for you to do it. Not for your salvation, you're saved. Well, Sunday I quoted, it says, I told you that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church to work out your own salvation with fear and with trembling. For it's God who works in you both to will and to do his good will, his good pleasure. So let me repeat that. It's God who works in you <laughs> to both to will. That is, means that he gives you the will and the ability, to, the will and to do. You didn't have it before. You didn't have the will. You didn't have the want to. And the ability, both the will and to do his good pleasure. He doesn't do his good pleasure for you. He gives, it's God who works in you. To, to both to will and to do. It's you. You say, what are you going on? Let's read that verse one more time. First John chapter 5, 21. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Who needs to keep themselves from idols? You. Me. Whose job, whose job is it to keep yourself from idols? It's my job. It's your job. We're going to roll here in a minute, but I mean, why roll if you hadn't got the point yet? Little children, that's believers, the ones I'm discipling, understand who he's talking to. Well, we know he's talking to the church, to believers, but the letter itself, the epistle, was written likely from Ephesus and would have been passed around to all the churches in surrounding Asia Minor would probably be the... Uh, what would have happened. But Ephesus, for, for, for John to write from Ephesus to say keep yourself from idols would be like to write from the floor of the casino to keep yourself from gambling. Ephesus was the epicenter of idolatry in that age. Had the temple to Diana. Had temples to, uh, that, that was the wonders of the world, these temples in Ephesus. This would have been the center of, of uh, uh, idolatrous temple prostitution. And this is where we know all the religious deception was centering from, the, the Gnosticism and, and the like, which was what the whole epistle was written about, to keep yourself from that junk. So he writes this whole letter. We've, we've been weeks on it. And, uh, you know, the beginning and endings of things are always important. 
His final words is just really simple. Little children, keep yourself from idols. Amen. So be it. Keep yourself from idols. I knew last week, I thought I was done last week, and I knew when I read that last line that I wasn't done with 1 John. Keep yourself from idols. What do we know about idols? People have something in their mind. You think about an idol, you, you might think about a statue or a temple or maybe the little Buddha statue when you go to get your nails did, sitting in the front door. Whatever. And those are idols. They are, definitely are. But what do we know about it? He says, little children, keep yourself from idols. If I'm going to have to keep myself from something, I probably need to know what it is. Yeah? You know, if, you go, if your wife sends you to the grocery store and says, get this, it's probably, you probably need to know what it is. So you can forget it later. <laughs> know what you forgot. When you, when you go and get three other things and didn't get the, what you went for. Now, I don't know if anybody's ever done that, but I do. Things like that. Yes? I can remember a conversation from five years ago, word for word, but can't remember why I went in the other room and went to why I went to the grocery store. Yeah? Little children, Bluebell, yes. That's always a good idea. You can't go wrong. It's on sale right now. <laughs> Two for ten. <laughs> Little children, keep yourself... From idols. An idol can be made of wood or stone or metal, precious stones, anything like that. It could be. But an idol literally, I went and I've done a lot of reading the last week on idols and idolatry. An idol can literally be anything. And you know what, I, there's something we should know because I'm fixing to talk about some things and talk about some of the big idolatry in the church and in the world today. We're going to talk about some things. But I want to explain something to you biblically about idols before we even start so you can exhale and just listen and apply if need be. I've always wondered what the problem was with people in church when you just preach the Word, you just teach the Word, and somebody gets upset with you about what the Word says. Because sometimes that happens. People get upset with you about what the Word says. Were well, you talking to me? I thought, I don't know, am I? You're the one talking. You're the one singing. And some of y'all been here around long enough know that I always just said, well, you know, if the shoe fits, Cinderella... Put it on and get to the ball. Yeah? If it doesn't, don't worry about it. An idol can be anything. And an idol is literally anything, literally anything that has a place higher than God has in your life. And that, that could be anything. Little children, keep yourself. That's your job. From idols. Here's one thing you need to know about idols right up front. Paul said that idols are nothing. 
If that bottle of water was some little carved statue that is known idolatry, pretend with me. You got a pretender? Put your pretender on. This is a little carved statue of some little known idol. People freaking out over, oh, get that away from me. The idol has no power. It's, it, it's a piece of wood. It's a, piece of, it's a piece of gold. It's a piece of silver. It's a bottle of water. That idol has no power until you give it power. An idol can be anything. Little children, keep yourself from idols. There's people that make an idol out of their job. Literally. Or their ability to make money. Don't get quiet on me yet. I'm just talking. That's why I said uh, an idol, whether it's a graven image, that's something carved, a picture of, whatever, they're nothing. We even had talked about, Paul even talked about, you know, we have a command and the, that the only burden they put on, on the Christians, because there was a big fight over circumcision back in, in Acts chapter 15. They had the, the Jerusalem council. They're having a big fight over circumcision. And they come to says that, they would, that there was only two things that they would, that they would talk about, that they, that they would put any emphasis on. And one of them was strangled things, meat, stuff that was served to idols. Right? Then later on, Paul comes right into the churches and he said, you know, if I'm eating meat, because sometimes people would slip something in on you if they thought they could kill you. Y'all need to follow along with me. I'm in some deep, I'm in. Do y'all know we get taught some things on Wednesday night that I don't play around the top of the water that we actually learn something about the word? Yes? Not surface. Paul said, somebody serving you meet the sin served to idols, you don't know about it. Who cares? Has no power over you. There's not some kind of hex floating around. Are you with me? Don't be going out searching this stuff out, but if somebody serves it to you, in fact, he said, don't, don't just don't ask. Just don't even ask. Just eat. Bless it and eat it. Bless it, need it. Idol can be anything. It's a big deal to God. Little children, keep yourself from idols. You're, to keep yourself from idols, you are going to have to come. I'm not talking, listen. You're living for God as a, as a daily life. It's not a one-time ordeal. It's a daily life. I'm not talking about that it adding a burden to you because his yoke is easy, his burden's light. But my daily life is to keep myself in line with the Word of God by the power of His Spirit, through my prayer life, through the Word of God, through the power of the Spirit, through the grace of God that comes through these things. But I have some responsibilities, and he's closing out with one, is to keep, I'm the only one that can keep myself from idols. Heather can't keep me from idols.
I'm the only one. She can't, I can, I can have nothing visible that you could point out in my life that become idolatry to me that Heather wouldn't even be able to see it, much less stop me from it. Because idolatry is a heart condition. It's where your heart's at. Where a man's treasure is, there his heart will be also. It's where my heart's at. Little children, keep yourself from idols. That's a way of life. Idols are images and other God substitutes. That's what idols always end up being. When it's all said and done, wow, that's a big thing. Little children, keep yourself from idols. Idolatry always, somebody say always, ends up about being a substitute for God in your life. It's taking a place in your life that belongs to God. I've been through enough to know he'll be enough. It can be anything. Y'all know by now, Heather Ann makes me happy. She does. It makes me happy when I annoy her in the morning when I'm happy and she's not. I can't help she's cranky. I ain't a morning person either, but I'm not that much I'm not a morning person. That makes me happy. There's things that I do just to get the reaction. Somebody, Chaz, help me. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. That doesn't matter. She knows it too. She still reacts, and you know, therefore, therefore I do it again. Makes me happy. Every day. Hello? Some of you are thinking, what? Who cares? And you know what? I have a covenant with her. I have a vow before God with her that I don't have with anybody else. She's important. She's the only person in the world that I, that I vow to love in sickness and in health. For richer, for poor. For better, for worse. Till death do us part. But she can't be first place. And anytime my happiness she makes me, I'm trying to explain something to you. She makes me happy. But anytime my happiness, my joy, which are two different things, depends on her rather than on God, she has, she has become a substitute for his position in my life, and she has become something that she shouldn't be. I, everybody, we all work for a living in here, I think, or did. Some of you living on what you did. That's good. That's good. 
and God told us to work. In fact, all the way back in Genesis when, when, when man fell, part of the curse was that from the, from the sweat of your brow, you're going to work. That's Old Testament. New Testament says, Paul talking to the church, and they were trying to get some things done and needed to build and they had things to do, and, and he said, I'm going to leave you, and I'll be back. He said, but while I'm gone, you got, we got this work to do. And he said, let me tell you about the people there. He said, if a man does not work, he shall not eat. So it's God's will for you to work. I'm, 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 this is Wednesday night. You're here to learn something. Little children, keep yourself from idols. So are we preaching against working? You have to, you have, this is how you have to teach sometimes because people go home and say something you didn't say, so you've got to spell it out. You hear what that preacher say? Well, he didn't say that. All right. It's God's will for us to work. I've got used to eating, so I'll work. Some of y'all, I'm looking around, you've got the same condition. Got used to eating, so you work. Yeah? The day that my job becomes my source, my provision, God provides through my job. But my job is not my source. And my job is not my provider. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is my provider. The day, let me tell you something, because there's something I know about, and you've seen it happen to people before. You can have, there are people that they, 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 they've got, they found a great job, they found a great groove, education, favor, daddy knew the right people, however you got it, it doesn't matter. They found the right situation, and they begin to roll in it, and the next thing you know, they don't know where God, they don't know where the house of God's at. They don't, they, don't know where, they don't know where their prayer time is. They don't know where their Bible is. They don't know where their Christian friends are. They don't know where, they don't know where the house of God's at. And they got the world by the tail on a downhill pull. They begin to say things, think, think and say things like self-made. Or ain't nobody ever done nothing for me. I earned everything I ever had. Well, that can be true. But the fact of the matter is, is God gave you the breath in your lungs and the strength in your legs. I've seen way too many times that by a health crisis or by a financial collapse at a company, a, 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 a buyout or whatever, that everything that you had one day, the next day you didn't have it anymore. And then they find their Christian friends. They find their prayer closet. They find their Bible. They find the church. And I'm glad they do that. Y'all. Y'all. You're thinking, quit saying this stuff. No, it's true. This is idolatry. Because we, we think that because we're not in the mosque in Beaumont on a little rug bowing down to Allah, that we're not idolatrous. 
We think that because we're not putting fruit in a Dr. Pepper at the little Buddha at the nail shop that we're not idolatrous. Oh, dare I say we think because we're not lighting candles. And bowing down to statues at buildings that still have a cross on top. Or bowing to images of crosses. Let's just go there. We think because we're not doing that that we're not idolatrous. Little children, keep yourself from idolatry. John literally gave a responsibility to the people he was writing to that was theirs. Keep yourself from idolatry. God's brought the children of Israel out of 400 years of Egyptian bondage. You remember? Now think about what they saw. They've been 400 years, generations in Egypt. They saw nine plagues all around them. They saw the rivers turn to blood. They saw the lice. They saw the frogs everywhere. It was a frog. Here a frog, there a frog. Everywhere a frog, frog. When they went to get a drink, there was a frog in the cup. Frogs everywhere. I preached that one time, one more night with the frogs. You know, Pharaoh couldn't take the frogs. He called Moses in. He says, I get, you, you got to do something about the frogs. Well, said, Moses said, well, Pharaoh, when would you like me to do something about the frogs? He said, tomorrow. One more night with the frogs. Yeah. And they get all the way to the end and they see the Passover. They see the God's command about taking the lamb, a lamb for a household, bringing them in, kill the lamb, eat the whole lamb. Don't waste anything. Apply it, take the, catch the blood in a bowl. Apply it to the doorpost and the lintel of your home. Go in the house and stay in. Go in the house and stay in. God told the people of Israel, go in the house and stay in. Stay under the blood. They could have walked out. If they couldn't have walked out, why did he tell them to stay in? Stay in the house. Don't apply the blood and stay outside looking, gawking. You know, that's like Arkansas in a tornado. You get a tornado warning, it's on the ground a quarter mile from your house. Everybody's out on the front porch looking for it. Yeah? Then they on the news. Yeah? I was watching, that's what happened one time it's, um, years ago. And I thought, how do they always find that one? Do they search for that one to put on the news? Uh, Matt, he says, I knew we was in trouble. That's what he said. I knew we was in trouble when I heard those sirens and ambulances. <laughs> he told him to apply the blood and stay in the house. 
He says, if you don't, I'm going to strike the firstborn of every household and all the, all the livestock of Egypt, every household in Egypt. He said, but if you apply the blood to your door and you stay in the house, he said, he said when the death angel passes over, God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. What am I telling you that? They saw that. They instantly went from, he told them, tonight when you eat of the lamb, he said, be dressed in your clothes with your shoes on your feet, have everything gathered and ready to go. And they went from slaves to an army just like that. They see the Red Sea part by obedience to God. They saw it. They get across. Their Pharaoh's closing in on their trap. They, they walk across on dry land and God drowns the whole army behind them. They get across over there and they got mad because they didn't have onions and leeks in their beans. That's what happened. Wanted to go back to Egypt. Crazy stuff like that. In the meantime, God's talking to Moses. He says, come up on the mountain. I got something to tell you. Yeah? Because, and by the way, they could have all went, but they were scared of him. I think the Bible says that, didn't it? You know, they, they okay, saw all his presence, the thunderings and the lightnings and the things, and, and they wouldn't go. So Moses went by himself. He goes up there, and God's going to write some things with his own hand into stone. And he, Moses, listen, he, they, they saw this stuff, and they wasn't gone any time. And Aaron, that's about, I don't understand that. He's not gone no time, and they got to have something to worship. In the meantime, while, while they're down here juking and jiving and giving their earrings and making golden calves, Moses is up on the mountain, and God, the very first thing God is writing on that stone is I am the Lord your God of Israel, and you shall have no other gods before me. The very first thing that he wanted to be known of his law was I am God, and nobody else can be. You shall have no, and in the meantime, while it's happening, they're down below making a calf to dance. They got a God that can strike the firstborn in a whole nation in a pass while protecting people under the blood. They got a God that can blow the Red Sea open enough for three and a half to five million people to pass overnight on dry ground and kill their pursuers in the meantime. And in a few days' time, they got to have a calf made of gold to dance and have a party around. Made God mad. <laughs> Made him mad. Made Moses mad too. Made Moses so mad he threw the rock. He threw rocks at him. Yes, he did. You didn't know that was spiritual, did you? Yes. He's a God that does not change. What am I talking about? 
all the way then and now. Little children, keep yourself from idols. When you begin to rise up in idolatry, it's the very opposite of humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. It's the opposite. What in the world? You know what it is also? It's a denial of who he is and his power. It's literally saying you're not enough or I don't believe you. It's, it, is, it is an acknowledgement out loud and up front that you, whatever it is that, that you put that there for, that God can't fill that role in your life. You know, the bulk of Romans 1, we've taught Romans 1. We've talked about it in Sunday school a lot lately. The bulk of Romans 1, once you get past chapter, verse 16, Romans 1, 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. First, the power of God and the salvation to anyone, everyone who believes, to the Jew first and the Greek. It says, for in it, the gospel, is found the righteousness of God. Then he goes into talking about something, and you know it's a, down, it's, it's a downward progression. We've talked about it before. And literally what it is, let me help you with it. Literally what it is, is the progression into idolatry. It's what's described in Romans 1. You don't, you don't go from, from a believer or a little off to reprobate tomorrow. It's when you let something in. It's when you let something in that was God's spot. Let's just turn there real quick. Romans 1. I want you to see it. Hear me. God will not tolerate any form of idolatry. You don't hear me. He's still the same God. I really am amazed often. Somehow, I don't know how we've taught it, but we, people have the idea, church people have the idea that there's a different God in the Old Testament than the God of the New Testament, and that's just not true. God doesn't change. He never has changed. How you, how you came to God through blood always. He made a way when he didn't have to. Jesus was the completion of the, the fulfillment of the law. Not the, not the, he didn't do away with the law. He fulfilled the law. God still has moral standards, moral commands, a way to live that he's always expected. And grace, grace and the, the blood of Jesus, the fulfilled law, the, the blood that was better than the blood of uh, bulls and goats, has purchased much grace, much mercy, much patience, but an unchanging God. God will not tolerate idolatry. Romans 1, let's look at it just real quick. 
I've just told you. Let's just read there. 16. Give it to me on the screen if you got it, Caleb. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God and salvation. For everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also the Greek, for it is the righteous, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. Well, that's a change, wouldn't it? For the wrath of God was revealed from heaven against ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Not going to go into all of it. We're just going to read real quick. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. Verse 20. For since the creation of the world, I love this phrase. So who's, in my, who's in Heather and I Sunday school class? The rest of you are not. So I, look at that. what it says. It says, for, the, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. What kind of phrase is that? His invisible attributes. Invisible things are invisible. You can't see them. And, he, and Paul says here in tell you, for since the beginning of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. How in the world do you see, see something invisible? <laughs> By faith. Since the creation of the world, how long? All the way to the beginning of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. What's being understood? The, the, the attributes, listen to me right here. The attributes of God are clearly seen in his creation. He's saying the things of God, God himself, is clearly seen in this creation by the things that he's made. People trying to figure out if it was a bang or if it was a pop. Or if it was a freckle on the sun that come up out of the ocean. Since the beginning, his, his attributes are clearly seen in his creation. Even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because, for since the, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful. They became, here's the they here, by the way. It's mankind. Mankind. Fallen man. They, because although they knew God, atheist that says there is no God, you're a fool, by the way. I always throw that in because the Bible says that a fool has said in his heart there is no God. Why? Because since the beginning, since the creation, his attributes are clearly seen. And because although they knew God, we are, we are spirit, soul, and body. Every man, woman, boy, and girl, every creation of Adam's race has a, has a spirit that knows. I remember three, two weeks ago I, I taught on that, that the soul of man feels, the spirit of man knows It's why when you go anywhere, anywhere, anytime, find somebody, they're going to be worshiping something. And that's why, that is why, somebody ever wondered why people that don't believe in God get so mad and spend all their time, money, energy, writing books, go, going on TV shows, putting up billboards, taking people to court, every Christmas, everything, always taking somebody to court to fight against something that doesn't exist. 
Nobody's wondered that but me. You don't believe in God. Then why are you so mad about I don't believe in the tooth fairy. She's never made me mad. <laughs> Only time the tooth fairy ever made me mad is when she quit coming. She said, you lost all your teeth. What else do you want me to do? <laughs> you ain't hearing me. Why do people get so mad, spend all their time, money, energy, resources, all those things, so mad about something that doesn't exist? Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but they became futile in their thoughts. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Oh, I told you they were a fool. I already told you that. They're a fool. Professing to be wise, there it is. They became fools. Now, what's happening here in Romans, we're going to keep reading real quick or we'll run out of time because this was step one. I'm talking, this is, this is walking off into idolatry. It's what this is. Paul is writing to the Roman church about what it looks like to walk off into idolatry. They became fools. Look at what the words say. This book, if you, this book, if you will take it and break it down. Who was the day? All the, break it down. What's it say? They professing to be wise. That's enticing words of men's wisdom. They became something. That means they wasn't born a fool. They became a fool. Because all know they knew God. They didn't glorify him as God. Neither were they thankful. They became futile in their imaginations. Professing to be wise, they became fools. The first step into an idolatry is just to become a fool. Oh, that makes me want to talk about 1 Corinthians 13 just for a second, people. When I was a child, I think as a child, I speak as a child. It's Paul, 1 Corinthians 13. When I was a child, I thought as a child, I spoke as a child. You know, God knows that children have imaginations and everything else. You play. Did I lose half? Did I lose everybody in this room? But when I become a man, I put away childish things. <laughs> There's a lot of people that become fools because they don't ever put away childish things. I need Whitney right now to tell me don't say it, Jr. <laughs> Christina, please step up. Don't say it, Jr. <laughs> <laughs> Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed. Who changed? They changed the glory of an incorruptible God into the image. There's the idol. You should have no graven images. Remember, have I outran y'all tonight? I hope I haven't. Change the glory of God into an incorruptible God, into the image. God's not an image. God's not an image. He's not a carving. He's not a painting. 
They changed. They professing to be wise, they became fools, and they changed the image. They changed. They changed the glory of an incorruptible God. You can't corrupt God. Into the image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Verse twenty-four says, "Therefore, that is in light of what I just said." Step one. Here comes step two. Maybe you hadn't been here before. Some of you hadn't. Any, most of you know, but I'm going to repeat it for those that don't. Anytime you read therefore in the Word of God, it's look to see what it's there for. What I just read, it says, they changed the image of an incorruptible God into, into the image of corruptible man. Therefore, in light of what I just said, see, the, the change in the image of an incorruptible God into the image of corruptible man was step one. Therefore, step two. Are you with me? Talking about idolatry. I'm going somewhere big here in just a second. Therefore, God also gave them up to their uncleanliness. That's what you want? All right. Why did he give them up to it? To get the consequence of it. So maybe, just maybe, they would repent and turn. You want to do that? Here's the, all right, I'll give you up to it. God also gave them up to their uncleanliness and the lust of their hearts. The lust of that's the strong desire. It's what they want. Lust in the Word of God is strong desire. It doesn't necessarily mean sexual, but it could be sexual. It's the strong desires of their heart to dishonor their bodies among themselves. Oh my goodness. Now he's talking about using your body in idolatry. When you, give, when you give over to a trouble man, it begins to be about, you know what happens when you begin to give into idolatry? It becomes about you. You want to know what's going on in this world? I don't want to get there yet, but I'm going to tell you, it's become about us. I feel like I'm this. I'm, I felt like a billionaire yesterday, Matt, but I didn't put a bit of money in my account. Not a, not a dime. I don't have a bad, no matter what you feel like. I wish, I, you know, back in the 70s where I'd like to teach the world to sing, I'd like to buy the world a Coke. I wish I could tell the whole world it doesn't matter what you feel like. If I could have a microphone to the world and I had five minutes, I'd spend five minutes telling them that what you think and what you feel is irrelevant. What does the Word of God say? It is written. If I had five minutes, that's what I'd do, Matt. It is written. We've created a generation in our idolatry. You want to know how we've got to where we're at today in America and the world? Let me tell you. Idolatry. My little children, keep yourself from idols. Amen. That was better preaching than your amen. And it's why we're where we're at today. Step one, you're on step two. Therefore God gave them up to the uncleanliness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their own bodies. Who exchanged the truth of God for a lie. It was an exchange. You traded for it. You traded for it. I, I know what the Word of God says. I just don't care. Or let me say it a different way. I see what the Word of God says, but... Let me remind you that sheep follow and goats butt. Mm -mm. 
Who exchanged the truth of God for a lie? They worship the creature rather than the creator. They exchanged the truth of God for the lie. The lie. The lie that's about you. They served, they were, everybody's worshiping something. Everybody is worshiping something. I don't worship nothing. I don't believe any guy. Oh, you, you worship you. You're worshiping your opinion. Who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator? I looked at that word today. I mean, some, some translations say the creation. Some worship the creation rather than the creator. Some, some versions say worship the creature rather than the creator. So I went to see what that, all that meant. And it literally means, and they served things made for man and by man. Created things. Idolatry. An image. If you're worried, if you if you worship and serve it, that's two things that's reserved for one person. Worship and service that comes from worship is reserved for God. Are you with me? They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creation, the crea or the creator, or the creature. That's man and the things of man, the schemes of man, things created by man for man. Man's ideas, man's ways, man's, well, feelings. We're in step two right now. Rather than the creator. who is blessed forever. By the way, he says, amen. For this reason. He writes it plain. He tells you why. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. He calls them vile. Do I need to define vile for anybody? For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. We're in the next step. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what it was against nature. Against nature. Let's talk about that. Because against nature literally means against how it was created by the creator. They've exchanged there's exchanges that keep going on. They've exchanged, women, even, it says even women exchanged 
their natural, the natural use for what is against nature. There's a movement that's going on for a few years called the uh, Young Evangelicals, I believe it's what it's called. And one of their goals is to convince the church world that the Pauline epistles are not canon, that they're not scripture. There's a reason for that. Because if you can, if you can convince the world that the, that the Pauline epistles are not scripture, you don't have Romans 1. Likewise, also men leaving the natural use of a woman, burned in their lust, strong desires, one for another, men with men, committing that which is shameful, and receiving in themselves, receiving in themselves, and receiving in themselves, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which is due, which is due. Wages are, talk about wage, wage, th due, things that are due, what you've earned, it's due. Your phone bill's due. Your water bill's due. Your electric bill's due. Your taxes are due. You don't understand what's due? It's what you owe. Receiving themselves that which is due, because the wages of sin that's earned is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Receiving in themselves that which is due. And even as they did, here it is again, even as they did not retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind. Some versions say a reprobate mind. That's the final give over. To do those things which are not fitting. God says, okay, just do it. All right, go. Being filled with all unrighteousness. Go back to God gave them over. Verse 28. I got to hurry. I'm trying. Not going to get anywhere near done. You knew I wouldn't. And even as they did not retain God in their knowledge, when you push God out, there's nothing. When you push God out, you push the truth out. Hey, Gen, millennial, Gen Zer, and Alpha, whatever they call in the name, you're going to have to find a core of what's true. There's only one thing that's true. There's only one thing that doesn't change. If, you, if you're going to try to decide on anything that's true besides the Word of God, you're going to spend your life chasing rainbows, chasing ghosts, and falling into things that you're, you're going to be in a mess. Amen. And if you want Christianity without the truth of God, that's idolatry. You want the benefits. Well, we got a lot of people that want the benefits of, 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 of God, but they don't want the truth of God. Mm. I wish I had more, 30 more minutes, but I don't, and I won't take it. Because I really want to spend time there. I, I can't. The church is a mess. And if y'all get tired, y'all may get tired because you may think I'm talking about Mag, or no, I'm talking about the church at large all over the world. The church is a mess. And that's not, and, and the reason I can say that is because Paul wrote, told us right into Timothy. Jesus told us in Matthew 24. He told us it was going to happen. 
He told us that it was about, there was going to become an apostate generation. They, 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 everybody thinks that means they're leaving the church and never come back. And yeah, that's happening. Some people are leaving the church. But the apostate church, the great falling away, is happening right on the pew. They want the benefits of the things of God, but they don't want to live for Him. That's like going to Walmart and getting a job and never showing up and thinking you're going to, every two weeks, that they're going to put a deposit in your account. It's the same thing. They want, they want the things of God. They're, most people want the things of God. And they think they're going to heaven. They're deceived. They're not going. Not because I say so, but because the Word says so. Do you know what this turned over to a reprobate mind means? Literally, this debased mind, when God turns you over to it, it's literally turned you, it means unable to discern. It literally means that they're turning, God's turning them over to a way of thinking that they're unable to discern what's right and what's wrong. It's when they no longer have the ability, it, it, it is literally... They, they cannot understand and do, not want, and do not want to understand what is true. They've been turned over to it. It said, I will turn you over to a debased mind. It literally means they won't be able to discern what's true and what's not true. You wonder how people can fight and, and over things that are absurd? They've been turned over to it. They can't discern right and wrong. You mean make some people mad? It's why the feminist movement is silent on men running in women's athletics. Where are the feminists? Where are they? Where are they? We have literally came to a place. Get mad if you want to. I don't care. Get mad if you want to. Watching later. No, it's true. You want to know where we're at? We are literally to a place where the feminist movement that was always ungodly but where are they? We have come to the place Time Magazine Woman of the Year was a man. Miss, we got people winning states, Miss Nevada or whoever, wherever, as a man. Where's the feminist? Because we've literally came to the place where we are literally saying now that men make better women than women. You can get mad about that if you want to. It's exactly what's happening. I don't believe that. You'll believe that whenever your daughter's a champion and she's no longer a champion because some dude ran with her, swam with her, fought with her. You'll believe it then. It's amazing what people don't see one way until it affects them. It's amazing, isn't it? They'll fight for something all the way until it's them that I want the opposite. You don't think we're, I told you, you're going to get a few more minutes. I started telling you a few years ago that the, that the level of persecution was coming to America that because when you stand up for what's true, when you stand up for what's biblical, that you'll begin to lose your job. And people looked at me like a calf looking at a new gate. They thought that's never coming. And you probably still don't realize when people are losing their, losing their, their, their job, 
losing their, their book deal, losing their TV show, losing their whatever, whatever they're losing because they would not agree with this junk that is happening all around you absolutely every day on every news channel and nobody's clicked with the fact that you're losing, the, that, it's, that it's because you're standing for what's true instead of being undiscerning, instead of being a reprobate that doesn't know the difference between bathrooms and et cetera. And when you, all you're doing is standing up for what everybody has understood for 6,000 years of human history and suddenly you're the problem. It's because they've been given over to a debased mind. They no longer have the ability to separate fact from fiction, truth from a lie, wrong from right. And it doesn't matter what evidence, what pictures, what video, what set, it doesn't matter. They do not have the, it's a spiritual condition. Listen to me. It's a delusional spiritual condition. You want to know what's going on in America and the world? It's a spiritual dig degrading that Romans 1 describes that this, okay, therefore this, okay, therefore that, and in light of this. And they literally do not have the ability to know right from wrong because they've been given over to, turned over to by God to a debased mind. To do which though, to, he turned, even as they did not retain the knowledge of God. If you lose the knowledge of God, you have lost the knowledge of what's good and evil, right and wrong, what's true and false. They did not retain the knowledge of God, and God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. That should never change what the believer stands for, thinks, or teaches, or lives. You ain't hear me. I don't care how many of your family are buying it. It doesn't matter what the it is. It can be more than LGBT, transgender, or mafia stuff. If it's against the word of God and it's been turned over to an evil generation to a lie, it doesn't matter who else is believing the lie. It should not change you. I don't have to go along with your insanity. And I don't hate you. I don't hate you because I won't go along with your insanity. Church, where are you? Church needs to quit being hateful. Y'all didn't think I was going to come to that, did you? The church has got to quit being hateful. Telling the truth and preaching the truth is not hateful. But I've seen people that say true things that are awfully hateful. We're supposed to speak the truth in love. By this they shall know that you're my disciples. What did he say? your love one for another. There's going to be people that just because you don't agree with them hate you. Ain't nothing you can do about that. But you can control you. Or your dogma will become your idol. You ain't hear me. 
Little children, keep yourself from idols. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality. Well, the, this is the people that's been turned over to debased mind to do those things which are, they see fit. The things they see fit will be being filled with unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. That is what happens to people when you're turned over, when you exchange the knowledge of God for a lie and are turned over to a debased mind. I just read it to you. Who knowing the righteous judgment of God, they know, hear me, they know. They can fight all day long, argue all day long. The spirit of man knows. The soul of man feels, well, I feel like I was born this way. I feel like I should be this. I feel like I should do that. The spirit, the soul of man feels. The spirit of man knows. And no matter your knower will never be able to override your feeler. That's when you start believing a lie. Who knowing the righteous judgment of God, those that practice such things are deserving of death. It's talking about eternal separation from God. It's not talking about shooting them in the head. Who, tell, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice these things are deserving of death. Not only, those, not only do the same, but those who approve of those things and practice them. There's something you should know at the close of this service. God does not differentiate between the, between the, the, one, the one who d does and the one who approves. God does not make a distinction between those who are in the act of and those who approve of the one that are in the act of. Let me, so hear me good. It is literally the same sin to approve of things that are abominable than it is to commit the things that are abominable. God, God does not draw a distinction. He does not draw a line. He says those who do it and those who approve of those who do it. The highest form of idolatry and rebellion are the things that go against the very creation of God. You are literally taking yourself, that is self-idolatry. That is when what you think, what you feel, what you want is, is, is higher and more important and becomes right above what God has said and what God does. The climate agenda is religion and idolatry. Transgender agenda is religion and idolatry. I could go on and I could go on. The creation was created for, God created the creation for man, not man for the creation. I saw a meme the other day. I wish I, sh I should have put it on the screen. It's a picture of Plymouth Rock at sea level in Massachusetts. Still got a fence around it, date on it. Picture of Plymouth Rock. 
You know what? It was at sea level 400 years ago. It's at sea level today. Hey, y'all big dummies. If you're in this room and you're buying into that junk, let me tell you something. You're being a dummy. I'm 51 years old and I've, I've, the, the dates that we weren't going to live past have passed at me at least three and a half times already. If we don't change, you know, I remember when, the whole, when we were all going to burn up because of the hole in the ozone layer. Now we can't even get a decent drink at McDonald's because it's in a stupid cup that sweats. Because we had to get rid of the chlorofluorocarbons that were destroying the ozone. Some of y'all hadn't had good hair since 1989 because we got rid of Aquanet because it was destroying. <laughs> That's why big hair went away. Y'all think that it was because it went out of style. It's because there ain't nothing that'll hold that mess anymore. Now we're going to have to kill all the cows because they're farting and going to destroy the carbon footprint. And all these naturalists, but they're giving you that meatless hamburger. It's got 47,000 ingredients. And no meat. Where's the beef? I'm just making it real, y'all. It's idolatry. It's idolatry. We're serving the creation rather than the creator. Because I'm going to tell you what the Word of God says about this old earth, then I'm going to say amen and you're going to say thank God. Let me tell you what the Word of God says about this old earth. Because see, I believe the Word of God. It says, as long as the earth remains, there'll be seed, time, and harvest. As long as the earth remains. The word of God is clear that man will never destroy the creation. You know why? Because he's the creator of the creation. And he's all powerful. As long as the earth remains. Seed. Time. Oh, there's old wives' tales that's run throughout the church all my life. Oh, no, it's the, like the end of days. It says one season will be like the other. No, it doesn't. The Bible doesn't say that at all. It says there'll be seed, planting, time, Summer, harvest, as long as the earth remains. That's what it says. You know what I believe? The one that is eternal and is true. The one that never changes. Little children, keep yourself from idolatry.